Welcome to another episode of Bronx Ward's podcast series, Shoveling Smoke. I'm Mike Smith, your host for today's podcast. As you know, earlier this year, we presented several podcasts talking to Francois lawyers about how the legal landscape might change under the new Biden administration. We covered health care, tax, and employment issues. Today, we're going to continue on that course. As you know, President Biden spent a good deal of his campaign maintaining that he would improve the lives of blue-collar workers, a message that he just reinforced in his statement to Congress. One area he's focusing on is workplace safety and the work of the Occupational Safety and Health Administration, or OSHA. And that's what we're going to discuss today. Here with me to give some perspective on what's going on in this area and what we can expect in the coming months is my partner, Christina Nero. Christine is a member of France Ward's Labor and Employment Group and spearheads much of the firm's OSHA investigation and compliance activities. Christine is OSHA 30 certified and regularly advises employers about OSHA, including representing them during on-site OSHA inspections and informal settlement conferences, negotiating and resolving OSHA citations and penalties, and defending employers at administrative hearings with the OSHA Review Commission and in related litigation. Christina also assists clients with the preparation and implementation of workplace safety programs. On the firm side, Christina chairs France Ward's Women's Initiative, which is committed to the recruitment, retention, promotion, and mentoring of women attorneys through leadership, training, community networking, and community involvement. Following her passion to eradicate child hunger and improve child education, Christina also sits on the boards of Children's Hunger Alliance and Cleveland Catholic Charities. Christina focuses her personal time on family, most notably her six-year-old daughter, who's already honing her skills to become the next lawyer in the family. Hey, Christina. Hey, Mike. How's it going? Good. Thanks for being here with us today. Of course. Before we get going, can you tell us a little about Children's Hunger Alliance and their mission? Absolutely. The mission uh, really is simple, help feed food insecure kids. It's a nonprofit. It's focused solely uh, in Ohio, which has real struggles with child hunger, which people might not be aware of. But one in four kids in Ohio doesn't know where their next meal is coming from. That's 700,000 children. And that statistic gets worse right about now when school starts to let out and kids aren't in school and they don't have access to free school meals. So Children's Hunger Alliance really gears up on summer nutrition. It's a really important and worthy cause. You know, we say a dollar provides three healthy meals. Um, so it's 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 a fantastic organization. Well, it really sounds like it. Those are such jaw-dropping statistics about hunger in Ohio and throughout the United States. So thanks for being a part of that uh, that alliance. Absolutely. So let's, let's talk about OSHA now, and let's start with a little background uh, before we get into the actual issues we're going to talk about. Can you give us a little idea exactly what OSHA does and where it fits in the employment setting? Sure. Quick primer. Um, you know, you mentioned Occupational Safety and Health Administration. It's a large regulatory agency that falls under the Federal Department of Labor. Um, it was created in 1970 when Richard Nixon signed the Bipartisan OSHA Act. 
Um, and OSHA's job on a federal level is to set and enforce safety standards to make sure employers are providing safe and healthy workplaces for their employees. You've also got 22 states and territories with their own OSHA-approved state-run programs, um, some more active than others, Cal OSHA being one of them. But for the most part, uh, we look to federal OSHA um, for our standards. But you do have to interact with both the state regulatory uh, equivalent of OSHA. Absolutely. We do not have one in Ohio, though. Oh, okay. So let's talk about the federal OSHA program. When Biden assumed the presidency, what was the status of OSHA? How did he find the agency? He found it like a lot of other federal agencies, underfunded and understaffed for a long time, not just during the Trump administration. And then when the pandemic hit, employers were pleading for guidance, which was a really kind of unusual set of circumstances because employers don't like to hear too much from OSHA, but we had almost no federal guidance, you know, about what to do during the pandemic. Um, and, and frankly, state agencies weren't all that much more helpful or prepared for the situation. So as Biden assumed office, uh, knowing that he had to deal with these uh, understaffing and underfunded issues, where is it now from a structural perspective? Sure. So as uh, Brian Kelly, you may remember, may have mentioned in his podcast, President Biden had tapped right off of the bat Jim Frederick as acting head of OSHA. He's a longtime United Steelworkers investigator, you know, fulfilling the the campaign promise to be very pro-labor, uh, pro-worker. And it's kind of an interesting confluence of events because you've got a pro-labor president coming in who also now has funding, which hasn't been the case in the past. So President Biden signed the American Rescue Plan Act in March. That was, you know, the the almost $2 trillion economic relief package. Um, $200 million of that went to DOL agencies, including OSHA, right? And so OSHA is to get not less than $100 million, just earmarked only for them. Um, so he has wasted no time opening new offices, hiring new compliance officers, spending money on training. Um, you know, his campaign promise was to double the number of ocean investigators. I'm not sure he's going to get that far, but he can do a lot with $100 million. And is there some sort of overall strategy or theme that he's sort of operating under? I think, um, you know, being understaffed and, and underfunded for a long time, uh, we're, we're headed into a period of resurgence and growth with OSHA. I, I think there's no doubt about that. So that's kind of the theme that uh, and it, a lot of the commentators from his statement to Congress or his message to Congress were commenting that, you know, he's selling, you know, big government's okay and we're going to get bigger and because we're going to help you. And so you see this as just another aspect of that. That's right. So let's talk about some of the specific initiatives that are existing and that are going to get ramped up in, in during his administration. What do you see out there? Sure. So from kind of a macro level, COVID really was an interesting time. You know, investigators weren't vaccinated. I think there was some initial hesitancy to conduct a lot of on-site inspections because we didn't know a lot about the disease um, and about, you know, the level of, um, you know, people were worried about basically it being contagious and, and getting sick. Now that vaccines are widely available, I'd say what we call letter investigations, where OSHA just simply sent you a letter saying, hey, we think there might be a violation. Why don't you respond to us in writing, you know, demonstrating that you're in compliance? I think a lot of those letter investigations are going to go away and we can expect, you know, return to more on-site investigations, particularly right now. Spring and summer is when OSHA gets active again because that's when construction gets active again. And, and if you've been on the roads recently, you know, we've enjoyed a nice early spring, so those efforts are already underway. Um, so I 
think on-site investigations starting now and moving forward are going to increase. So increase in inspections means increase in violations, right? You know, OSHA doesn't show up to a workplace and say, oh, you're perfect. There's no room for improvement, right? They're, they're always looking to improve safety and health for, their, for, for workers. Um, but that $100 million in funding isn't always going to be there. So that kind of dovetails with, with my next point that I was thinking about, which is, you know, monetary penalties, which do get regularly revised anyways. I think we can see, you know, not just an incremental increase in those monetary penalties, but, but perhaps, you know, a little bit more to support all of these, you know, new offices and new personnel that are coming in. And how about making them public? It seems to be one of the things that uh, agencies often do in order to try to get others to comply. Do you see that as being an aspect of uh, the increased compliance activities that they're going to make this stuff public so other employers know they better start watching their P's and Q's? Yeah, absolutely. The The reporting of citations and the press releases that came out about you know, employers who'd been cited and who'd settled citations was almost non-existent in the past administration. If you are on some of these mailing lists already, you know, Department of Labor in general and OSHA, those emailings, those, you know, um, public shaming kind of emailings um, are, are coming out much more frequently now. And and that was kind of a theme during the Obama administration. It was, it was pretty regular. It was pretty harsh. Uh, I expect that to be supercharged and and union support on that issue. This public shaming, you know, concept has been loud and clear. I also understand that, you know, during the Trump administration, there was a lot of slow walking on kind of rules and regs. Do you see that ramping up as well as part of this uh, initiative? Yeah, there was no there was no temporary emergency standard relating to COVID um, that was even on the radar. I think. Um, you know, we've got a new national emphasis program now, but there's been a lot of stuff, like you just said, sitting on the back burner um, that OSHA is going to now try to push through. There, there are some existing proposed rules and final rules on whistleblower issues, on tree care, construction. I think we can expect those to move quickly, possibly before the end of the year, seeing, you know, a lot of updates from OSHA. And obviously we can't escape any podcasts or other discussion these days without focusing on COVID for a little bit. So do you see OSHA having any kind of COVID-specific activities relating to inspections or anything like that? You know, the $5 million of the $100 million budget was specifically allocated to COVID-related inspections. Uh, You know, the new national emphasis program that came out in March focuses, you know, the agency's enforcement efforts on companies that are putting the largest number of workers at risk of contracting COVID. So your meatpacking plants, um, your healthcare facilities, um, they're really trying to prioritize those employers. And they've also said publicly those employers who um, are alleged to have retaliated against workers for complaining about unsafe or unhealthy work conditions. Um, So I, I think, you know, there are a few hints that we can the few takeaways, maybe little hints from the National Emphasis Program um, that can inform employers on what to expect during future COVID inspections if you do get a COVID-specific inspection. Um, you know, they're going to be looking at your safety plan documents perhaps before they even come on site. Uh, you have to have a written safety and health plan that includes a pandemic plan now. It includes hazard assessment, PPE related to COVID, social distancing, face coverings, all that kind of stuff. Uh, respiratory protection, possibly training, medical record keeping, all of those things. And really, even if it's not a COVID-specific inspection, 
you know, my experience over the past couple of months has been inspect inspectors, compliance officers, that is, have been coming in. And even if it's if it's an amputation or it's a guarding issue, they're still asking the COVID questions anyways. So, so you have to be prepared one way or another. So it sounds like you really have to start uh, uh, documenting things appropriately for just about everything you're doing. If, if you haven't already, yeah. So let's talk long term. Do you see anything in the, you know, coming months or even in the next three years uh, that's going to be something different that the, the Biden administration is going to try to tackle through OSHA or through its other initiatives uh, as far as workplace safety goes? I think President Biden in just the first 100 days, you know, we, we just finished the first 100 days. He's really come out swinging. He's really come out pushing. I think he's going to try to push uh, in a lot of different ways, existing policies. And I think, you know, if the theme is growth um, and expansion, I think there are other areas where OSHA has kind of in the past dipped its toe into the water. Um, and maybe there's room for for a, a lot of extra work to be done. I think workplace violence, aging workforce issues, definitely mental health. Uh, I think not only around the, the, the frontier for um, you know, other Department of Labor agencies, but I also think for OSHA, um, we're going to see and have already seen, frankly, in my practice, a lot of interagency cooperation, right? EEOC coordinating with OSHA on investigations. Um, I think I think COVID gives them a, as far as mental health, I think COVID gives them a really great opening. Um, the United States has had really bad mental illness rates, the highest among women, younger generations, minorities, and the pandemic obviously made that existing problem worse. Um, I, I think mental health and, and COVID, um, I, I think it gives OSHA an opening to do more there and, and a logical opening and a reasonable opening. It won't be an issue that's coming out of left field for OSHA. It's going to be something, frankly, that employers um, should expect and should be dealing with. Um, I'm actually speaking to a lot of organizations and employers now about mental health as return to work starts to happen. Um, you know, I think worker well-being to the Biden administration is all-encompassing and, and is going to include mental health. Okay. And I know from the rumor mill that you're going to be uh, talking about that in an upcoming webinar presentation. Is that right? Yeah, me and Brian Kelly uh, in June. So stay tuned for that. It's going to be specifically devoted to mental health and uh, the Americans with Disabilities Act um, as, as people are, you know, coming out of isolation and, and back into the workplace. That's pretty, uh, that should be an interesting webinar then. So as far as worker well-being, you know, that's a kind of a multi-pronged thing, as you've talked about. So do you see there being any initiatives from other agencies uh, to get involved in terms of the science of mental health uh, as it relates to OSHA? Yeah, I think the, the National Institute of Occupational Safety and Health um, is, is going to be an organization from which we can expect more research, more initiatives. Um, you know, the U.S. is re-entering the World Health Organization, so I think that's probably going to open up some additional funding for research, for healthy workplace models. Um, you know, I, I think as far as funding goes, the Biden administration is doing a good job of looking for a lot of different buckets to dip into. Absolutely. Well, Christina, you've certainly given us a lot to chew on, and uh, it'll be interesting to see how this all plays out with uh with the Biden administration, whether it, it keeps up with uh, his other efforts to uh, kind of expand government involvement in uh, in various aspects. 
So uh, we appreciate you being here. One of the things we always ask our guests at the end of the podcast is if uh, they could share what they consider to be kind of two or three takeaways so that the listeners can you know, have something to focus on as they turn us off for another session. Yeah, absolutely. That makes sense. Um, so I think, first of all, expect more on-site inspections. Uh, expect OSHA to be more active with this, particularly the construction industry. You know, a lot of a lot of OSHA compliance officers, I've heard them say, you know, I was driving down the highway uh, and, and I saw a construction site and I saw something wrong and I pulled over. I think there's going to be a lot more of those on-site inspections coming our way. Second, um, you know, I think increased scrutiny on COVID just across the board, not in high-risk industries. So even if you're not healthcare, even if you're not a meatpacking plant, expect those COVID questions uh, when, when OSHA knocks at your door. And I think third, um, you know, just kind of stay tuned and keep an ear out for, for guidance on non-COVID issues this year. I think, I think we're going to see a lot of non-COVID guidance coming out. Well, that's great. I really appreciate you being here today with us, Christina. Thanks for coming. Happy to. So to recap uh, Christina's three takeaways from today's discussion, first, get your businesses ready for potential on-site inspections because they're going to ramp up. Second, COVID scrutiny is not going away, so that needs to be part of your compliance program. And three, keep an eye out for the new guidances that are going to come from the Biden administration because there may be a lot of them in the future. And that wraps up another episode of Shoveling Smoke. Thanks for checking in with us, and we hope you listen again next time. Shoveling Smoke is a production of Evergreen Podcasts. Our producer and audio engineer is Sean Rule Hoffman. Thanks for listening.